You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast for buying about the culture. I'm your host, Panama Jackson, and welcome to the Griot Black Podcast Network. We're celebrating 50 years of hip hop. It's 2023 hip hop. The, the, the official founding date was what, August 11th, 1973. So we've been doing all these hip hop shows. And today we're going to talk about a very special day in hip hop, which is September 29th, 1998, which was the last great release date in hip hop history. On this date, Outkast Equimini is released. A Tribe Called Quest, The Love Movement is released. Brand Nubian's Foundation is released. Most Def and Taleb Kweli release Most Def and Taleb Kweli are Black Star. And Jay-Z releases Volume 2, Hard Knock Life. This was a day that ran your pockets because back then CDs was like still 1999 and they had this big, it was a whole thing. It was a day. And to join me in discussing this date is the news editor at Rock the Bells, Jacinta Howard. She's an Atlanta-based writer. She's been, she was an arts and music writer for Creative Loafing. Uh, she got bylines everywhere from BET, Shondaland, The Source, Hip Hop DX. Um, she's also a romance novelist who is an, an award winning romance novelist. Let me go ahead and put that out there. Who has 10 different books that you should go pick up absolutely. She's been considered a must read author by authoritative outlets on this. Uh, we're talking hip hop and we're talking about our personal connections with these albums that dropped 25 years ago. So. You know, this is an amazing conversation I'm excited to have because, I mean, it's a date that matters in my life. And Jacinta wrote an article about the the last great release date in hip hop history. So there was nobody better to have this conversation with. So let's jump into it. Do you remember this day? Like, do you were you were you like invested in your hip hop like life at this point when it's out when when this day comes out? I was and um, I was working at the record store, actually, a, a music store called Peppermint Music. Um, in West End, which was like a few blocks from the Atlanta University Center. And so I remember like that being like a big release date. I mean, because honestly, 1998 was just like a big release year period. I mean, that was like at the height of like No Limit was dropping all the time. You had like DMX that was dropping. I think he dropped like two albums that year. Like it was a big year period. But I do remember this day being like a big deal, especially like in Atlanta, because you had the new Outkast album coming out, and then Jay Z was like really big here too. So yeah, I mean, I do remember that being like a big deal. It's funny. Well, two things I have to point out. When she said West End, like mm-hmm. that was the hood mall. It was one of our hood malls. <laughs> so the fact that you were working at the Peppermint, which I remember, I remember <laughs> skipping out. So we were both in the Atlanta University Center, which for mm-hmm. those that don't know is a consortium of schools: Morehouse College, which is where I was, Spelman College, Clark Atlanta University the interdenominational theological center and at the time morris brown which i guess is back in the au scene i don't actually know it's back it's okay it's back because i know they yep boom all right so morris brown back like cook crack um (laughs) but we all went to peppermint back then for album Mm -hmm. releases when they were all like and peppermint was expensive by the way it was all like 1999 albums with the plastic thing on it that you couldn't even really steal because it was hard to break the things out oh, yeah. of. They had like the but, big cases and the, yeah, oh, it was yes. a thing. I put many CDs in those big, hefty cases. <laughs> the fact that where we were at that time is also important because on Clark's campus, across from Club Woody, which was what we called the Robert C. Woodruff, Robert A. Woodruff, Woodruff Library, was a store called Audrey's, 
which used to have all the albums in advance. So I used to go to Audrey so I could listen to albums before I buy them because I was a student who didn't have a lot of money. So I wanted to hear if I was going to buy these albums. And I vividly remember listening to Equimini um, in there. And I remember getting all the way to Spodio de Dopalicious and literally sitting in there for an hour on repeat listening to that and going to tell the homies like, yo, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life, y'all. I've never heard anything better than this. Y'all, we all got to go to Audrey's right now and buy this album. Um, I also have a crackhead story involving this, but we're going to get to that in a second. What do you remember about that day? Like, did you buy the albums or did you just borrow them from Peppermint? Like, like, did you get them all? <laughs> I mean, I know I, ha- I had, for sure, I had Equipment Eye and I had um, a Tripod Quest. And I don't remember if I bought Jay-Z's album. I, But I do know, like, I worked in the music store, so we had complete access. I, I didn't get all the albums all the time, but, you know. we Did you get discounts? Them. Yeah, we did get a discount. I did get a discount. And I do remember, like, I got the, my priority was Outcast, Equimini. Because, like you said, like, you know, I mean, for me, Equimini is not just one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. It's just one of the greatest records ever of all time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like, I do remember having the Outcast album in particular and the Tribe album because I loved Jay Dilla, uh, Find a Way. <laughs> that was the jam. That was still a is. record. Absolutely. Yes, still is. Now you caught my heart for the evening. Kiss my cheek, moved in, you confused things. Should I just sit out or come harder? Help me find my way. Now you Arguably their best song. That's which is the argument I have with my friends all the time about what Tribe's best song is. But anyway, keep going. That's funny that you said that. I mean, I wouldn't say it's their best song, but I definitely think it's like top five. I think it's like an underappreciated song. And it's like it's never come out of rotation for me. Like, that's one of those songs that, like, I just never stopped playing it, really. So I definitely bought, and I think I might have got the got these from Audrey's. I bought Jay-Z's Hard Knock Life. I bought, I bought Tribes, Love Movement, Hard Knock Life, and Equimini. I bought all three of them. And I vividly remember this because I went home. So I lived on MLK, like, right by the, the H.E. Holmes Marta Station. Like, I lived over there. And I lived next door to... A crack house slash trap house. And you did. one of my neighbors, so this is my fault. This is back when you had to you had to put like the tape in the tape deck and like run that to your CD disc man kind of thing. And mm. I always knew mm. in my house, because I lived next door to a crack house, and I knew that, and I knew them all very well, that I had to put my stuff under the seat as a respect thing. If they can't see the wires, they won't break into my car. But if they can see the wires, they're going to break into my car because they are required to commit the crimes that they are known for. <laughs> In my neighborhood. And what happened was my CD, my little, the little string was visible. I go in the house. I'm sitting on the couch chilling. Like 10 minutes later, I get a knock at my front door. I answer the door and one of the crackheads live next door to me says, say, what's going on, bro? I got these albums I know you want. I was like, what? And he shows me, and it's the three CDs I had just bought that were sitting there in his hand. It was Jay-Z. Outcast and Tribe Called Quest. And I was like, bro, hold on. I walked to the back. I looked out my window and I saw my window was busted out and there was glass all over the thing. And I walked back to the front. I was like, dog, are you trying to sell me the albums I just bought? He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know (laughs) is I got these three CDs that I know you want. And I was like, get out of here. Like, go away. Like, I'm not buying my albums back from you. So he left. I did not buy those albums back, but I did have to go spend $300 to get a new window because 
I left the wires out. It's my fault. I got crime. How much was he selling? That's my memory. You might have should have bought him back. You might have should have just bought, <laughs> took the L. I couldn't do it on principle. <laughs> on principle, I could not double spend money that I didn't have in the yeah. first place. And then I ended up having to spend more because I had to buy a new window. Like I had to get my window replaced because he and I told him, I was like, dog, you like you could have just knocked on the door and said, I'm about to get you. So either give <laughs> me some money or like <laughs> You didn't have to break the window, bro. Like, right. I respect your hustle. I get it. Like, you could have just knocked on the door and said, dog, I'm, I'm about to rob you, bro. So break me off something because and, and go fix your fix your stuff. Put it under there. Right. He knew it's me. Anyway, this everybody. is my enduring memory <laughs> from September 29th, 1998. This is the memory that I, I have forever about That's that funny. day, um, which is ridiculous, but also awesome at the same time. Because but you went back my, and bought all three of the same albums, though. Because my friends are really good people, one of my boys bought me the Equemini and Jay-Z album because I told him I loved them most. So he got those for me because he felt bad for me. Um, I did eventually go back and get the rest of them. I don't think on that day, though, that I bought the Black Star album or Foundation. I definitely have them, but I did not buy them that day. And I don't know exactly why. Maybe it was just a money thing. You know, I didn't have 100 bones to to spend. Right. Um, Right. I mean, I think that was the case with everybody. I mean, and I think you know, Black Star and then like Brand Newbie and those were the ones that I think people came back and got. I think that was a pretty common thing. Yeah, the Black Star especially had a slow burn. Like it's, mm-hmm. I think, much more important now, like historically mm-hmm. than it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Though I remember when like Definition, when that song dropped, like that beat, that video and everything, I was like, I whoever these people are, mm-hmm. I need to be on. We're going to talk about Most and Talib though, because... Mm-hmm. So you said uh, like Outcast of Quemini was the one you had to have. Like, what was was there one that you just weren't checking for at all? Not really. I mean, the the one that was probably the least on my radar, honestly, at that time was probably Brand Nubian. Um, but it wasn't like I was just like. You know, I'm not, you know, it it was just, that was probably the least on my radar. But yeah, equipment, I was definitely the one that I had to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the same for me. I think equipment, I was the one I had to, and obviously Jay-Z, because like you said, I like, it's it's hard to remember these kind of days. But back then, I remember they used to play like DJ Premier produce songs on the radio. Like back then mm-hmm. in Atlanta, like radio would yeah. be, you could hear songs like Nas is like, or Gangstar songs on the radio. And Jay Z's "Hard Knock Life" was all over the place. Like this was a song you could not escape. Still, y'all don't know me. Uh, I'm tight, real. When my situation ain't improving, I'm trying to murder everything moving. Feel me? And I knew I had to have that album because number one, I wanted that song. But two is Jay Z, who I'm a big fan of. Who you know is like one in one A for like my favorite rappers between him. Like Biggie's my my probably who I think is like the greatest rapper of all time. Just like skill wise, whatever, but you know, Jay Z's my dude. Um, but you gotta have that outcast, right? We're in Atlanta. I, don't, I wonder what it's like in other places, but I know in Atlanta, like that outcast was a must cop. Everything else was negotiable. Right. Um, right. And I didn't love Brand Nubian. I was gonna get the album because it felt like this day was important. Like all these albums came out, I knew I was gonna get it, but I don't remember. Like I wasn't a huge Brand Nubian fan. Like, just as a group, even though there were songs that I liked. So right. they were definitely my least anticipated 
album purchase out of all of them. Yeah. Same for me. And then also, I mean, it's funny you say that because even, I mean, not to nerd out, but even like the cover for Brand Nubian was much more like muted. It was like the brown cover. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jay-Z was like him posting in front of the, I think he was in front of a car or something on that one. Yeah, and, yeah, he was. And of course, Outkast had like the 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 uh, comic book graphic. You know, it was just, the other albums popped more visually as well. I mean, and that's no just to Brand Nubian, but you know, that felt yeah. like the well, album I mean, that you could probably come back to. Tribe's album just had that white cover with some well, like symbols true. and stuff like that on it, and it but, but it, it was, was a white cover and it's tribe, right? It was tribe, right. and so it was still bright, you know, yeah. stark white, but yeah. And I think this was when we were all like, "Are they even still together?" It had been mm-hmm. five years since Midnight Marauders. No, no, that's not true. Beats, Rhymes, and Life came out in '96, so it's been two years since Beats, Rhymes, and Life, but. Beats, Rhymes, and Life was not a very well-received album. Like, all of us were like, what's going on here? So it felt like the end was coming with the love movement, and it turns out it was. Right. <laughs> like, right. I think, like, right after that album dropped, Tip tells everybody the group is done, and mm-hmm. there's much debate about that. Fife was like, I didn't even know we was over either. Like, apparently, Tip sent a letter to the label, like, I'm out, and Jerobi and, and Shahid and Fife found out like everybody else did. <laughs> yeah. That was that Q-tip. What a cool. Yeah. <laughs> that so do you still listen? Do you still like listen? Obviously, you still listen to Equimini because it's Equimini. But like, are there other albums? Do you still listen to any of them? Um, honestly, probably. Well, I still listen to Black, the Black Star album. Um, that's probably the one. Like I say, Equimini and the Black Star album are the ones that I listen to in totality the most. I don't really listen to the tribe album in totality i listen to final way <laughs> and then uh jay-z i never i dig jay-z but i never really was super into that album even when it dropped like i thought it was a good album um and obviously it was like super important for like the trajectory of his career but i mean it's not even in my top five jay-z albums you know it's it's an important album for his career, but it's not like top five Jay-Z for me, you know. It's so. funny you say that because I, I actually agree. I think the more albums he released, the less important that album became. Like at right. the time it drops and it's like his most commercially successful. It's like this is Jay-Z at the peak of his mm-hmm. powers. Like this mm-hmm. is this is. This is when Jay-Z is like, Jay, he's that guy. But as he continued, you know, and he was always threatening to retire and all this other stuff. As he released more albums, it was like, you know, we got like 15, 16 albums that we can rate. And I'm with you. Like, I don't think that aside from Hard Knock Life as a song, I don't know that this album like sits in my it's definitely not in my top five Jay-Z records at all. Um, And I don't even remember liking it as much when it dropped either. I remember everybody liking it way more than I did. And I thought that I was missing something. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's because like, like you just said, I mean, it's it's like the commercial album for him. And so like that was an album like they were playing Hard Not like 24 seven on the radio. And then like it just had like a lot of radio hits. And to me, it felt like Jay was like it felt like his crossover album. Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent. Like I just, uh, there are songs in there that I love. Songs that took me mm-hmm. like money cash. I was like, I did not like that song at first. <laughs> that, yeah. I love it now. I love that joint now. Like when I hear it now, the nostalgia of it like punches me in the face and I'm excited just for like how 
bizarre it was, like how bizarre it is now. But back then, I remember being like, "What is this? Like, what is happening?" Like, and why is this a record that everybody's telling me is amazing? But I was wrong, clearly. Yeah, that so. album felt like intentional. It felt like Jay Z saying, "Okay, I'm gonna make this kind of album to have this kind of result." That's what that album felt like to me. So, I mean, that and that's I think why you get songs like what you were just talking about, and like it, it's not super cohesive in terms of its sound to me. You know what I mean? Like Hard Night Life is significantly a different vibe than like even like Nigga What. So I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. I I, I agree with that. And you know, again, at the time, I remember arguing with people were like, "Yo, Jay's the greatest." Okay, that's fine. But I was like, "This ain't this ain't the album that." defines that for me this is not the album that proves that point so yeah. um, it just proves his commercial viability though i think that's what it did like it it took him from being like a hip-hop star to like a music star so fair enough and i do yeah. remember being significantly disappointed in tribe's album like i my feelings were hurt because I didn't love Beats, Rhymes, and Life. So when they get a second album in a row that I thought wasn't any good, and I actually thought it was no good. That's why when when my homeboy asked me what albums that I wanted again, it was like, that. The if you're going to get me, I appreciate the Outkast and the Jay-Z album. I didn't need the yeah. Tribe album again. I bought it for, for nostalgia's sake, you know, eventually. But I was like, eh. Like, aside from Find A Way, which they were selling, cassette sing- selling singles back then, so you could actually just get the single. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to get the whole album. Like, I remember not loving that album and being hurt by that, actually. I was very disappointed in that album. Like, I, I wanted to like it, and I just did not yeah. at all. Yeah. Which was hard for me. Time for a quick break. Stay with us. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture with Jacinta Howard talking about the last great release date in hip-hop history and largely talking about the albums, which is September 29th, 1998, which is an album, which is a date where we saw music releases, by the way, which was a Tuesday. It's important to point this out. It was actually a Tuesday when all the albums used to come out on Tuesdays. Now we all wait for Friday, but Tuesdays was the release date. Um, I don't even know when that changed. I'm assuming streaming changed all of that, but but for a significant portion, Tuesdays was the days when you who worked at Peppermint Music were probably the most busy, right? (laughs) We used to stand outside of Tower Records at midnight on Monday nights to go get albums. They would do album signings at midnight in places at Tower and stuff like that. Um, Rank the albums in terms of their importance to hip hop, if you can. I know you can, but mm. give me give me your ranking of importance of these albums with twenty five years of history at our backs now. I would say uh, Equimini, Black Star, uh, Jay Z, Brand Nubian. Well, no, Tribe, and then Brand Nubian. All right, that's the same order that I have. So we're on the same oh. page there. So I'm curious where where you rank Aquemini and Outkast catalog. Number one, like hands down. I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> Cause I know okay. it's like the debate between Aquemini and AT Aliens, usually. I'm an AT Aliens guy, by the way. So, right. okay. So the reason why I go with Aquemini is, well, I mean, honestly, I just think it's a better album. Just hands down. I just think sonically, cohesively where they were in terms of like their growth individually and then their growth as a group. I just think that is like the quintessential Outkast album. Like if no one had, if, if a person was introduced to me and they'd never heard of Outkast, that's the album I would give them to listen to, to let them know like what they're capable of and 
what their style and vibe and what they bring to the table is. And then, I mean, I think, you know, because, I mean, for me personally, like, I, like, so I think Southern Playlistic, AT Aliens, and Equipment I are all classic albums. Fantastic classic albums. But I think, I, for me, I feel like AT Aliens plays to me more like a debut because Southern Playalistic was so, um, it was it was an album that was like the Dungeon Family. And it was like a collaborative effort. That's to me like a Dungeon Family project starring Big and Dre, right? But AT Aliens was like them really coming into their own. You know, they had both been through some things. They were getting like on the path that you would see them go in. But Equimini is them like at that place. That's what I thought. I mean... Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I think Equimini is one of the greatest albums ever recorded. I mean, Equimini is like their inner visions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's okay. it. So, I do not disagree with a single thing you said. I do think Equimini is a better album than AT Aliens. Uh, I do think it's their most, it's not their most ambitious. I think, obviously, you can argue about the love below and all that. And really, it's just the love below in terms of ambition. But Stankonia, as as them putting an album together, I think is more ambitious than Equimini. But in terms of like the the complete product and in terms of history, like Equimini is hands down. Of all these albums that were released this day, the most important one. People that say Equimini is better than AT Aliens, I don't even argue. I understand. I just like AT Aliens more, largely because eight like elevators meant so much to me as just like like I, I remember physically where I was where I was the first time I heard elevators. Like I remember exactly the parking space I was in <laughs> at a Kmart parking lot in Madison, Alabama, when this song came on the radio, and how I literally was frozen by mm-hmm. by this song. I was like, "What is this?" And I was so mad that you know this is radio. Like I couldn't rewind it. I like I held on to those minutes with my dear life, and then I got home and I was just like. I don't even know what to do with my life anymore. Like this is this is a life changing song for me. Around me, you, your mama and your cousin too. Rolling down the strip on boats, coming up slamming Cadillac doors. And that album felt like that for me. When AT Aliens comes out, like that's 100 percent how I felt about that album. So yeah. it's just personal. Yeah. I agree that Equimini as a as um kind of the culmination of all of their skill sets and their sound and everything is when it all 100% came together and created like one of the greatest albums ever. So you never get any argument from me on that. I agree with you completely. You ain't wrong. I just enjoy AT Aliens more because of, I think yeah, what personal. it did for me personally. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it, it, it literally changed the way that I listen to music. And there's a couple albums yeah. like mm-hmm. that, that I hold in such high regard that like, there's nothing you can say that will like, Dilla's Donuts is one of those albums for me or you know like DJ Shadows introducing like there's these albums that just genuinely changed me as a music person mm-hmm. um but so yeah I so ATL is it for me so where do you put the love movement in the tribe catalog mm, I'd put it quite low <laughs> Um, I think so there's uh, only five albums to talk of right yeah, it's people's I mean, instinctive rhythms and or travels and the paths of, I don't even know the full whatever like, the first album people's <laughs> people yeah. people's people the low end theory midnight marauders beast rhymes in life and yeah thank you for so your love, service we got it from here yeah so I think love movement probably for me falls 
last supposedly. I mean, I think I, I, you know, I go back and forth. I probably do Midnight Marauders, Low End Theory. I actually like Thank You for Your Service. I might do that and mm-hmm. then People's and then um, Beats, Rhymes, and Life and then Love Movement. Maybe. Interesting. I'm with you. Midnight Marauders has probably at this point surpassed De La Soul is Dead is my favorite album of all time. Really? The, I, 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 I have a Tribe Called Quest decal on my car. Like on my car, <laughs> I actually have a Tribe Called Quest decal, right? Like that's, 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 I'm that person. Um, yeah. Midnight Marauders is the album I listen to more than any other album at this point. Like I love it. If I was stuck on an island and I can only bring one album, that's the one I'm bringing. Uh, so, but, so for me, it's that low end theory. I guess people's people's instinctive travels. The love, maybe the the love movement would be next, and then the last one is "Thank You for Your Service." I can't stand that album. I have I, I don't enjoy it even a little. And there's no single like find a way that genuinely makes me go back to it. Like I don't need to ever hear that album again. And I know that's controversial, and it sucks. <laughs> I do want I want to mention everybody listening? We're gonna do a poll on like a Spotify poll on social media for people to rank these albums, these these albums that came out. Um, so no, when you listen to this, goofy. do a poll. <laughs> We're going to put a poll up there for people to rank the album. So I do want to, you brought up something earlier, and I think we alluded to this too, about Jay-Z's album and where that fits in his catalog. For one, there's too many albums to go through. At this point, he had enough, he has enough albums where you could do the bottom tier, the middle tier, or the top tier, right? Which mm-hmm. I think includes Reasonable Doubts and Blueprints and Black Album and 444 and stuff like that. And then there's the rest of these albums. Some of them are entirely forgettable. And I don't I think this is probably like a mid-tier album for Jay-Z. At the time, it seemed like this was gonna be like his crowning achievement, but as he keeps releasing albums, I think it becomes less and less important just because he has albums that matter way more to the culture <laughs> and to hip hop in general than this album. Is that a fair statement? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's it, that's a good point that you make because at the time they you did think this was like pinnacle Jay-Z. But I mean, honestly, he could do a show and not perform, in my opinion, anything from that album and be just fine. You know what I mean? So that is true. That is definitely true. Though I think Money Cash Hose is a song that you got to put on just for the the, the hype factor, the entertainment factor. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a hype song. But I mean, if he if he did a show and he didn't perform that, I wouldn't like shed tears. Yeah. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Time for a quick break. Stay with us. Thank you so much to the Signal Awards for nominating Being Black the 80s for an award. Such an honor. We worked so hard on this docuseries because the music of the 80s means so much to us. Please help me out and vote for Being Black the 80s and maybe we can win a Signal Award. And we're back. So I want to talk about most definitely to live or black star because i have like one of the hottest hip-hop takes of all time about this album uh, <laughs> which to be fair is an album that i think is more important now than it was even then like i think mm-hmm. as a it's definitely of these five albums the second most important because equimini as you said you're comparing that to inner vision so we're it's it's on this high <laughs> plateau like it's on yeah it's on Rolling Stone list of like greatest albums of all time. And it belongs there. And, you know, for hip hop, it's definitely belongs at the front of the line for, for those kind of albums. You could argue about what the greatest hip hop albums of our all time of all time are, but this belongs in the conversation, right? I'm with you there, but here's my hot take about black star. 
I think this album is more important than it is good. Like, I think this album is more, I don't think this album is as good as we remember it. Because I think it's, I don't, like, the songs that are really good, like Definition and um, uh, Respiration, like, you know, there's there's some amazing records on this album. Like, don't don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's not the case. Shiny apple and bruise was sweet, and if you choose to eat, you could lose your teeth. Many crews retreat, nightly news repeat, who got shot down the lockdown. There are amazing right. records on this album. And, you know, I remember even at the time when Definition drops, like that video and that song, like I said earlier, I love that. Like, I still bump this because that's like yeah. that. You know, they represent, you know, one of my favorite quotes from one of the greatest movies of all time from Brown Sugar. The hip hop Dalmatians represent the real hip hop dog. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. But I think right. that's really what it represents to the culture. I don't know if the album by itself is is as good as that what it represents. Am I crazy? Am I off yeah. base? No, I think that's I think that's pretty accurate. I think, um, yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, it, because like you said, I do think it's an album that at the time that it dropped, you didn't realize how important it was going to be. And you didn't realize, well, and that's partly because they didn't drop anything else except No Fair Time, right? That's like the only other. Yeah, that's the only other album they dropped, project. which is a horrible album. Horrendous. <laughs> if you went into um what was it? Well, Luminary. Is that was that where you had to Yes, get it you had to pay that? for yeah. Luminary to go listen to it. <laughs> to get it. And then be mad that you spent the nine ninety nine for the monthly subscription to Luminary. Well We'll probably have to bleep out the yeah. words Luminary. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> just to say that. <laughs> but anyway. But, that, but yeah, I mean But yeah, I mean I think I think in retrospect, it's important, obviously, because it set both of them up. And then, you know, after that, most drops, you know, black on both sides, which is incredible. And then, you know, Talib, it sets him up for what was it, quality, et cetera. So, but I mean, reflection yeah. Reflection Eternal. I mean, like yeah, Reflection Eternal. Eternal. I'm sorry, not quality. That's what I meant, Reflection Eternal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think, I think it's a good album, but I think, like you said, it's more important for what it represents in like the tone that it sent because it also like you know it it set it it was a like a it set a tone for like a new subgenre as well too like it was kind of like the leader in like this new not new but like another niche of hip-hop and they kind of became like a you know representative of, of that too in that way so yeah I mean, and that's the other thing that makes the day so interesting is that you had so many different, you had really high caliber artists all dropping something at the same time, but then they, for the most part, were kind of each in their own little lane. So that also made it really cool too. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I think because, so yes, Black Star sets up most in, in Talib. So Black on both sides, one of my favorite albums ever. Like I, I think it's underappreciated even still at this point for how just how good that album is. But the same thing with Reflection Eternal's album, which is Talib and High Tech, Train of Thought. Like that album is amazing. Like it's just it's an amazing album all the way through. No matter how in 2023 you feel about Talib Kweli, that album is an amazing record, and it has the blast on it, which is one of the greatest beats in hip hop history. Yeah, you pronounce my name. Any questions? I bring many blessings with my man High Tech. Featuring one of the most reclusive yet 
people that I want to meet most in life, which is Vinnie Mojica, who was also on the Black Star album. You know, she's on Knowledge Itself. Um, and, and Black Star also has Brown Skin Lady was a popular song back then. It was like one of the few songs that I think people viewed as being uplifting of black women in a genre that is notoriously and historically been very demeaning towards towards black women, especially. So it was, you know, as opposed to a completely ridiculous song like Dead Press Mind Sex, which was one of the most ridiculous songs of all time, <laughs> um, despite having you an amazing beat. Take a I mean, I still... The beat was amazing. The song is ridiculous. <laughs> like, I still ridiculous. like Mind Sex. Uh, it's like, oh, what y'all sorry. You could, it just sounds like a college dorm Listen, room song. The and song you- had <laughs> salads and croutons mentioned in it. And like, it sounded like, it sounded like a whole song of running game. You it's know, like from, the quintessential from, girl. Let me come over here and give you a massage when you're in when you're yeah. in college. <laughs> it's like the- <laughs> yes, it is one hundred percent that. And people love that song. And I'm like, yo, this is this is this is the opposite. When Dre was like, I bet you never heard of a play with no game kind of things. Like, no, mind sex is a hundred percent game. It's one hundred percent. This is the, probably the first and only time croutons have been mentioned in a hip hop song ever. Um, <laughs> But, you know, but Brown Skin Lady was like the the good version of that. It was like the, the yeah. version, you know, that pays yeah. homage kind of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I do think the other the, the things that came from it, at least individually right after, were better than that album. But it was a great setup. Yeah. Like it was a great yeah. setup for that album. Um, yeah, so let me ask you this. Do you think we'll ever have another day? like this in the hip hop consciousness. Like, I don't know that people were appreciated the way that we should, you know, I'm doing like this conversation. I'm going to write about these albums, you know, for my, like in the written format too, just as a 25 year retrospective. Mm -hmm. But do you think this is something that will ever happen again? I don't know. And the reason why is because I just think, like you said, I just think people are releasing music differently. And I know like, it feels like, folks will change release dates if they know other people are coming out with stuff. And also the release date just doesn't mean what it meant back then. You know right. what I mean? Like nobody, cause you're getting like Lucy singles here and there. You, no one's really buying records. You're not making, you don't, you no longer have to like make an intentional effort to like go out. And like you said, spend a hundred dollars. If five album comes, it's just a different thing. You're not ever going to like, no one reads the liner notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just, it is a different, it's a different time. I just think that's, that's gone. And you know, it's okay. Things change, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, I kind of miss that though. Like I would love to see a documentary about that day. Cause I think it kind of rises to that yeah. occasion, you know, in retrospect, anyway, thinking about it, like you had these artists that were all highly anticipated at the time, mm-hmm. like I've said that, you know, Brand Nubian wasn't my favorite group, but I know people who absolutely love Brand Nubian, right? And they were like, yeah. Foundations coming out, the single Don't Let It Go to Your Head was out, and that joint was, that, right. it was, it was that a was song, it was song. a banger, you know what I'm yeah. saying? People really yeah, liked yeah. that song, right? This album had premiere on it, like it had Laura Finesse production, you know, like it was an album that, as a hip hop head, we were looking forward to like it was like all right brand nubian is back like they their cachet was pretty sizable it might not have been to what like definitely in atlanta like to what we thought of outcast or whatever but yeah, brand nubian yeah. was brand nubian the same with tribe right, right? so right 
you know, I remember the anticipation for this, like realizing all these albums were coming out. And I remember going into Audrey's and seeing all the albums out. You know, she had this was on that Monday because she had them all uh, in advance and they Mm -hmm. were all sitting up there. And it's just like, how do you pick which albums to buy? Mm -hmm. You know, like how Mm -hmm. do you decide what you're getting and where you're from could dictate that. Right. Like, right. It was outcast for us, but I don't know if it was outcast immediately for everybody. Some people were like brand Nubian or, you know, that right. most that that Black Star album might have been their their album. And, you know, I can appreciate that. Like, I do kind of wish we would have another day where, like you said, where the release dates mattered as much. Like, you know, Friday nights at midnight, I go check to see what dropped. And I don't know if it's an album or a single. Right. Like, right. I'm just like, you know, people releasing albums. I don't even know where to find just album drops and stuff like that, that, that are specifically album drops anymore. Um, right. So I kind of appreciate what that was historically. And it's sad that it's been 25 years since we've had a day where that high caliber of artists all on the same day felt mm-hmm. compelled to, in that space, drop albums. Because people move release dates now, right? Like, you don't right. want to drop when Beyonce's dropping. You don't want right. to drop when Kanye's dropping or stuff like that. You know, you don't want to exactly. do or Travis Scott, you know, because you want you want your numbers too, right? You want your numbers. So right. the fact that all of these people could drop albums, I don't I don't know what the release numbers were. I'm assuming that. Jay and Outkast. Jay, because it's his most commercially successful album, and Outkast probably did really, really well. Yeah, I think, um, that's what but, I think it was Jay and then Outkast. Because I think I think Outkast was... I know Jay, Jay hit number one, and I was at his first Billboard 200 number one, I think. And then okay. Outkast, I think, was number two. So, yeah. Yeah. But that yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it is it does make you like appreciate that time more. I feel sad for like my daughter who doesn't, who doesn't, you know, she's really starting to get into like her own music taste and her own vibe. And it's cool. But I'm like, you don't know what it's like to like actively anticipate an album dropping and then having to physically make the, make an intentional drive to the store and intentionally spend your money. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that, cause that puts more, um, it makes it more meaningful. You know what I mean? Like if you actually have to like put forth effort (laughs) to get something, you appreciate it a little bit more. So yeah, I mean, and like you said, people move release dates. I just don't see that happening again. And don't forget having to rip that plastic off of that thing, mm -hmm. trying to get it without breaking the Mm -hmm. side of the CD because you're like trying to get your finger in it or rip it open to get, so you can actually get the CD booklet out, trying not to tear that thing. If it was too thick, Try not to tear it when you pull the thing out. Like that was a, it was a yeah. whole, it was a whole thing about albums back in the day. Like I, mm-hmm. I still have all those CDs with those liner notes, and I go okay. revisit them sometimes. You know because, you know, like so, you know, I wrote I wrote about this recently where you know Miseducation came out twenty five years ago this year too, and going to North Lake Mall to stand in line to get her autograph, and mm-hmm. I took the CD booklet right like I had it. Like now, what do you what would you even go get signed? I mean, I guess. If you have merch, but you just get a piece of paper signed, like what's the yeah, you can like print out this file. I don't know all the little stuff you don't think about when, like when you get to the last one of one of those things, like how everything changed, the industry as a whole has changed in terms of interaction. Like you can interact with your art with artists way more now through social media, right, right, but not in person, perhaps the same way for some of those things. But I just, I it, it's true. Like my, I have a fourteen year old, and like. The experience of buying a CD and opening it and reading the liner notes while you're listening to the songs and trying to see mm-hmm. who's involved in it, what the artist had to say, like, you know, the Roots were notorious for 
extent, extensive liner notes and all the, you know, Questlove took a lot of time to write all those liner notes and, mm-hmm. you know, just seeing stuff that was in there. And now it's not really mm-hmm. a thing anymore. Not even not really. That's not a thing anymore. I mean, I know they still sell CDs. I've I've seen them at at stores on occasion, but, you know, it just ain't the same. All right. Well, we're going to take one more break here. And when we come back, we're going to come back with my favorite segments, which are Black Fashions and Black Mendations here on Dear Culture. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture talking the greatest release date in hip-hop history or the last great release date in hip-hop history with Jacinta Howard, who was the news editor at Rock the Bells. And we just discussed the significance, the historical significance of these albums, like our own personal connections to them, all that good stuff. But now we're at the final segment of Dear Culture, where we talk about where we do my favorite things, which is a black fashion and black mendation. A black fashion being a confession about your blackness. Something people will be surprised to know about you because you're black. Do you have a black fashion for us? Something that some well, um, something that someone will be surprised to know about me because I'm black. Probably just where I'm mm-hmm. from is probably the easiest thing. I'm from a small little all white town called Oakley, Kansas. There were literally, like, when I say there were no black people there, there were no, well, there were no black children. There were, like, three black people that lived in the town. And me and my my brothers and I were the only black children in the town in, like, a 60-mile radius. (laughs) So. So how did your family get there? My family has roots in a small town called Nicodemus, Kansas. And, like, it's actually, like, the first all-black town settled west of the Mississippi. And so, like, you Like Nicodemus, like, posse Nicodemus, like, from that kind of, like, that. Nicodemus, yes. Shouted out all through that movie. Yep. Okay. So if you actually go like, you know, it's actually in like um, the Black History Museum in D.C. Like you'll see like that's one of the towns that's there. They have the big nickname huh. and sign. And yeah, there's been like, you know, little mini documentaries and stuff about it. But both sides of my family have roots there. My mom's side of the family, her dad, and then my dad's side of the family, her mom. And then my dad's father was a um, farmer that lived in western Kansas. So I just have like strong roots from Kansas, like farming roots, black farmer roots. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's how that's how we got there. Which people that is are always surprised and to learn about. That you, yeah, I mean the fact <laughs> that you got your, the town is in the Blacksonian. Mm-hmm. I'll be looking for that next time I go over there. Now, like you looking around, like where's this? Huh? That yes. is interesting. Okay, yep. interesting lives. Interesting mm-hmm. lives. All right. Well, do you have a black recommendation for us? A recommendation for buying about black culture? Something you think other folks, other black folks, need to be up on? Um, I always am going to champion black romance. Um, so like black romance as a genre, I'm wearing my black romance shirt. <laughs> um, basically, it's it's you know black romance as a genre. It's um, it's super important. It's especially independent black romance because women are telling their own stories, especially in an industry that's been traditionally all white and gate gate kept. Gate kept, I don't even know if that's a word. All the gatekeeping. I know what you meant. That's effective communication. (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, these are like really, really dope, extraordinary writers. And I say that as a person that reads all the time across, I read everything. Um, But some of the best talent that I've come across is in the black independent romance community and specifically and they're trendsetters and they're in tr- control of their business and they're telling stories in a way that I've not seen before and um so yeah so that's what I always champion 
So we gonna do this without you mentioning that you're in this space and one of the like leaders leaders oh. in this space. Are we just gonna do that? Are you just not gonna <laughs> mention your I'm own? Like, is, space, is it, are we really I doing do. this? <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I write black romance as well. So I have uh, quite a few books. Um, I wouldn't say I'm no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't space, don't humble you know, it out. I mean, how many I'm books you got? Trying. Like, how many books do you have at this point? I, I actually have no clue how many you have at this point. You have a lot. I have 10. I have 10. Books. I got a few books. Yeah. Come on now. Listen, this is, this is your space to go ahead. Like, you can talk about these people do all these amazing things. Like, you ain't, you ain't these people. <laughs> you won awards, haven't you? Like, you're in a war. You won awards, right? Yeah, I won a couple awards. Okay, see, listen. Been nominated the, the for The humility couple, of black and... people is an amazing thing. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah. So you should check it. Check check out the community as a whole. Check out me. Um, just at thehoward.net. I was gonna say. So tell people where they can find out more about the work that you're doing, both Rock the Bells and personally with your writing and all this stuff. Like, where can people find out what you got going on? Um, just at thehoward.net. That's just my um, website. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram and all of the social places from the site. So I think that's like that's the hub of everything. So. Well, thank you for coming to join us here, Dear Culture, Dear Culture, to talk about um, these hip hop albums uh, that mean you. a lot to. We were there when, it, when we were there when they dropped mm-hmm. in the same place. As it turns out, when 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 these albums dropped, um, and you know, it's crazy to be able to celebrate things twenty five years later. Uh, that's that are still resonant today. Like I still listen to a yeah. and I like frequently. You know, I still listen mm-hmm. to the black star album sometimes more critically than others, but you know, I still listen to these things. <laughs> and the fact that it's 25 years later is kind of scary and crazy, but it's also kind of awesome that they still matter for a genre that people thought was a fad. Right. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Thank you for having yeah. a conversation because this is one that I think is unique. I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about this day in, right. you know, extensively. So, and it was such a big deal. So yeah. Thank you for talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate you. And thank you to everybody for checking out Dear Culture uh, here at the Grio Black Podcast Network. Make sure you check out all the other episodes. Um, You know, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jacinta, for joining us. And to everybody listening, have a black one. started this podcast to talk about not just what black writers write about but how well personally it's on my bucket list to have one of my books banned <laughs> i know that's probably bad but Ooh. i think Ooh, spicy <laughs> they were yelling n-word go home and i was looking around for the n-word because i knew it couldn't be me because i was a queen <laughs> but i'm telling people to quit this mentality of identifying ourselves yeah. by our work to start to live our lives and to redefine the whole concept of how we work and where we work and why we work in the first place. My, my biggest strength throughout throughout my career has been having incredible mentors and specifically black women. I mean, I've been writing poetry since I was like eight. 
You know, I've been reading Langston Hughes and James Baldwin and Maya Angelou and so forth and so on since I was like a little kid. Like the banjo was blackly black, right? Mm -hmm. For many, many, African. many years, everybody yes. knew. Cause sometimes I'm just doing some Sam that, <laughs> cause I just <laughs> wanna do it. An honor to be here. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Keep shining bright. And we, and, and like you said, we gonna keep writing black. As always, you can find us on the Grio app or wherever you find your podcasts.